0: Because you know what? I always think church should be the best place to be in a Sunday morning. Like we ought to like talk about this service all week and go, oh, my gosh, you missed a great move of God every Sunday. So are you ready for that? I am too. So, Holy Spirit, we're just asking for your presence this morning that you would come down, inhabit the Word of God, just fill it up with life, land on every single one of us, and Father, don't send one of us out here, Holy Spirit, the way we came back in, manifest yourself in our presence, enlighten your Word, I pray, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, so let me ask you a question. How many are here this morning? Not everybody raised their hand. Okay, don't be home making lunch. You can do that in your mind, okay? It happens. It happens. Okay. Did you all get a green card? We hassled all of you at the back door. I hope you did. It says risk taker. So here's the deal. You know, it's nice to have a little chatter to know what's going on. Except for cell phones and babies, you know, occasional amens, kinda nice. So in case you don't want to do that, like buck buck, you check it out, all you have to do is raise your card. So we're going to practice. So if I say something you like, so we'll start with this side. Are you ready? You guys are really good looking this morning. Oh, look. at Okay. Good. You pass. You guys over here, you guys are really smart. Yeah. Oh, they beat you. And together, we're taking this, this valley for the Lord. Yes. Okay. You're ready. Okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, saddle up. We're getting ready to ride. And a yee I love it, okay. You know what, in 2 Timothy it tells us that the end times are gonna be perilous, remember that? Rick Renner says we're in the last days of the last days, and boy, I believe it. There's just, there's been no other times like this. It's, as Bob said, it's tough right now. And you know, I think in the natural, we would all like to stay home, hunker down, and not come out, it sounds good to me. But you know what? That is just the opposite of what we we should be doing. But the thing is, you can stay home. People pay pay their bills online. They can work from home. They get deliveries of groceries and clothes. You can watch live concerts and never leave your house. You don't have to go anywhere. But again, that isn't what God wants for these end times. I think that we should be... um, Every situation that comes up that we can go after and be challenged with, we should be taking it. But the problem is this, we need to move from being in the safe zone to being risk takers. And that's not always easy. So there's this really humorous story of a couple who went to this campground and it was very unique. They had a lake, they had a lot of hiking trails and they had an obstacle course that was kind of well known in the area, it was like, a gnarly obstacle course. It just wasn't walking through tires. It was tough. So they could hardly wait to try out this famous obstacle course. So they're going through it and going through it, and all of a sudden they get to this this kind of a gorge and there is a rope ladder. So I've got a picture of it. Charissa, if you'd put, yes. A rope ladder. Yeah, you can moan. And so the wife gets there and looks at that and she, what does she see? She sees all the holes. She doesn't see the rope. She sees the holes and she goes, man, I I just can't do it. I, it was it was dangerous. And so they backed up the go, Let's go sailing instead. So they go out on the on the lake. Well, they went in the afternoon and they get this afternoon breeze and it, that old sailboat's rocking and rolling and she's thinking that bridge can't be any worse than this sailboat. So the next day they're back on the obstacle course. Down they go. They get to the bridge. She looks at it again. She goes, I can do this. Takes a breath, holds onto the rope, cross she goes. Now here's the deal was it still scary yeah it was scary was it risky yes it was risky there's a gorge underneath but the thing is she did it and so many christians today they think risk is a negative to be avoided at all costs don't take risks but here's the thing yeah thank you if we don't take any risk you're never going to have the opportunities you're going to sit around in fear because life is nothing but risks you got you're a risky driving here we drive in him for pity's sake you got it? Are you with me on that? Yes. Drive down Stetson and try to stop at some of those stoplights. Go in the, you know, anyway. Anyway, so with that in mind, if somebody would hit the lights, check out this video.
1: I'm Brian Wheat. I'm born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I graduated from Tuscaloosa County High School in 2001. And I Started bull riding, I think my senior year in high school. Riding is just a sport of its own. It's you and an uncontrollable animal. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, and you're going to get hurt. It's just a matter of when and how bad. But you know, I'm going to hang on until my head hits the ground or something happens. My last injury was October, I guess, 2004. I got drew a really good bull, and he just jumped out, spinning to the left, bucking real good, and my hand got hung in the rope. He stepped on the back of my femur, and it broke it, and my leg was, my ankle was, my leg was pretty much twisted all the way around, and I knew right then it was pretty bad. I, they drilled a hole in the top of my femur, inserted a rod all the way down to my knee, and put two pins in it, and, uh, four months of rehab and just totally relearning how to walk again. After I broke my leg, I decided to take about a year, year and a half off before I even got on again just to make sure my body was healed up. And uh, when I got a chance to do this video, I was i, was, I mean—I was ready to get on. I couldn't wait. I thought I was going to be really nervous about getting on and nervous about getting hurt again, but I, I wasn't at all, I was, I and mean, I was ready to go. Taking the risk allows you to live life to its fullest. There are several risks in bull riding, obviously. Um, I mean, anything can happen, I mean, they can kick you, they can lean on you, they can flip over backwards on you, just anything. I think God wants you to take a risk, and you can't have everything. You'll have to risk something to do God's will.
0: ask you how many of you can honestly say there's an area of your life where you're living in the safe zone i mean maybe there's a healing you need to pursue more a deliverance a job restoration and family you need to be more bold with with church stuff there's something in your life and you're going i need i need it i'm just playing it too safe and you need to be yeah so here's the thing if if you want to go forward you've got to and again how many want to go forward Mind the right place here. I want to move forward. If you don't go, let me tell you this, I'll ask you again. If you don't move forward, you're stagnant. You've got to have a reason to get up every morning. So let me ask you again. How many want to move forward? Better. Okay. Because here's the thing. Give me that overhead, Sharissa. If forward is the direction you want to go, be prepared to take some faith-based risk. I mean, honestly, left to myself, Bob knows me. I'd rather sit at home. It's a lot easier to hunker down. But you know what they say about great ships? They're not made to sit in the harbor, they're made to be out in the open ocean. That's us, we're not made to sit in the harbor. So what we're gonna do this morning, I always like to know, don't, don't ever put me in the car and go, put this blindfold on, we're gonna surprise you for where we're going. Tell me where we're going. So here it is. I wanna move us today out of a faith zone into a better risk zone, be a risk taker. Are you ready for that? This side is, the smart people are, the pretty people. Are you ready to move into more, okay. So here's the thing, we're going to talk about a person in the Old Testament, you don't hear a lot about this guy, I think a whole book should have been written about him, it's Caleb. He was the ultimate risk taker, more than anybody other than David that I can think about, and we're going to kind of go over his life and see, I mean you have a lot of kids named Caleb today, you don't hear about this guy. So what was it that made him such an amazing guy in the Old Testament? Here's the deal, so his story starts way back in Egypt. So they've been there 400 years. Now they're slaves. They're crying out to God, set us free. They come out with signs and wonders. They go through the Red Sea. They're finally at the point where they're right at, after six to nine months, they're right at the door of going in the promised land. They're right there. And so Moses does this. He calls the 12 tribes together, and he picks one person from every tribe, 12 of them. And he goes, go into the promised land, scout it out. I want you to see what are the cities like, how many people are there. Is it indeed a land full of milk and honey? Can you give me that scout picture, Sharisa? So they're scouting it out. What, what is the land like? It is as good as we think or what's going on in the deal? So they go in. So they go in and guess what they find? they find it's an amazing land. It's a land of milk and honey. It's a land of bounty. It has figs and grapes and pomegranates. Matter of fact, the grapes said are so big, the clusters, they've got to carry them on a pole between them. Now, I was telling somebody, Tracy, if you don't think that's a possibility, there's a modern day picture of a guy with grapes. Yes, they come that big. Because I always thought, I don't know, you know, a cluster on a pole. They come that big. So that's what the promised land was like. But at the same time, the promised land was filled with giants. These guys were like Arnold Schwarzenegger's. And so these, these 12 guys are like, they're like Reggie's, bigger even. And so they're checking it out and they're, they're terrified. The Bible says they're terrified of these giants. So meanwhile, back in camp, here's Moses and all the people and they're going, where are these guys? Like they're way overdue. They probably put watchmen out. They've been gone 40 days, 40 days. They don't know if they're dead or alive. They don't know if they've been captured, but they're like, when you see them, let us know. So finally, one day the lookout goes, they're coming back and they're loaded. So sure enough, they've got the grapes, they've got the figs, they've got Well, all that stuff. They've got all the stuff with them. And so the people are so excited that they're there with them. So they land with all the fruit. They're kind of passing it out. But all of a sudden, their excitement and joy turns to dismay because 10 of those 12 uh, uh, spies that went in start spreading what the Bible calls an evil report. And they start saying, listen. It may look good, but there's no way we can go there. It is filled with giants. They'll eat us alive. We can't go there. And so the people, all of a sudden, they turned and they said, there's no way. We're going to play it safe. We don't want to go in after all. We're going to sit. Now, listen to these names. Have you guys ever heard of any of these people? Shamua, Safpat, Eagle, Palti, Gadiel, Gaddy, Emil, Sathar, Nabai, or Guel. Ever heard of those guys? No. Those are the 10 spies that brought back an evil report, that brought back rebellion to the house. You heard of Caleb and Joshua. They're the good guys. So you've never heard of these guys because they brought disunity to the camp. All of a sudden where God had them after all these years ready to take that promise. They're going across the bridge. They're halfway across and they decide that God can no longer do that, divided them. So what happened, they literally fell into two traps. And I'm telling you, If we want to be going from being a a safe zone people to a risk taker, these are two things that are so easy for all of us to do, but they're fatal. Absolutely fatal, but easy to happen. Number one, they did this. They maximized the opposition. God had it for them. They were right there, but they made them seem bigger than they were. And, you know, we all love to do this. We all do it. God has an amazing thing for us. Sharissa, give me that next bridge, will you? God has a bridge like this. Now, it may look a little gnarly, granted, okay, but here's the thing. It's an adventure. It's a challenge. There's a victory on the other side of that bridge. But what do we look at? What are you looking at right now? You're looking at all the holes. You're looking at the scary stuff. You are. You're not looking at the ropes God's provided. So I don't care how risky a business venture may seem or relationship healing may seem or giving more money or working somewhere. God's got it. And you have to cross the bridge. So all he's saying to these people is, just cross this bridge. I've got a promised land. I'm faithful. We'll do it for you. But they couldn't do it. That was their future on the other side of this bridge. And they said no. Listen to this verse in Numbers. We can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. So they spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. They said, we scattered out the land from one end to the other. It's land that swallows people whole. Everybody we saw was huge. Why? We even saw the Nephilim giants. Along them we felt like like grasshoppers. Now look at these pictures. This is what I think happened. I found that. They're eating the fruit. They're eating the promises of the land and listening to these guys spread rebellion. I I couldn't believe it. So notice all what they said. We're not able to go against these people. They're stronger. The land devours the inhabitants. The people are like giants and we're like grasshoppers. Blah, 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 blah. They couldn't figure out one positive thing, not one, of going into this promised land. They couldn't be smart enough to sit down and go, let's rethink this. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's see God. Are we in the right place? No. Their feet land back at camp, and they start spreading these rumors. See, one of the things that we do when we refuse to risk, Sharissa, give me that overhead. This is so true. We try to keep from losing instead of trying to win. Have you ever done that? We're just gonna hold our ground here, let's just play it safe, and we'll try to keep from losing. You never take ground that way. So, let me give you an illustration. Hold on, say hi to the next person next to you. Okay, now Sharissa, keep that up. I want you to pretend for a minute that you are a football player. Can you do that? Ladies, can we do that? Carolyn, okay, we're football players so you got new outfits this summer you practiced all summer in the heat you guys got really good and so you started playing your games in the fall are you there with me you all be into a football game right okay you're on the field now you don't seem excited about this your foot y'all will, do you ever want to be a football player i'll come over here okay yes thank you thank you tina so you're playing your games and guess what you're winning you win game after game, you have a fabulous coach, you got your act together, you come about, it's finally the championships. You're right there, one more game and you guys are you guys are it. You're the champions, the DP football team, you're there. So two of our people sneak out and they go watch the other team practice. And so the day of it, you're in the locker room, you're getting your little outfits on, the little cleaty shoes and the, what are they called? Uniforms, uniforms, Reggie, I know. You're getting the uniforms on and two guys come back and they go hey we snuck over and we watch the other team so the first guy goes they're going to kill us they're going to break every bone in our body these guys are giganto they are like refrigerators they're like going to trample us there's no way we can go out there and win and the second guy says well, wait a minute we we've been practicing we've been winning our games and i was watching them they can't run They fumble the ball all the time, and they have a terrible coach that doesn't know the right place to call. He goes, we can do this. Get your stuff on. We're going out there right now. We can take them. But they don't want to. They're disheartened, and so they say, okay, what we're going to do, we'll go out, but we're only going to play defensive. We're only going to play defensive. We are playing to lose. And guess what? They're going to lose. If you don't play offensive, you don't gain the ground. You get it? Okay, you can't play it safe because you won't take ground. Number two, what they did, they minimized the opportunities. God had opened the door, I mean swung that baby wide open, and they downplayed that. And they believed in their hearts that God wanted to kill them, that destruction was coming their way, and it was contagious. It spread through the whole camp. Listen to what they said. Numbers 14, then the whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. What a bunch of babies. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we had only, listen to this, died in Egypt, we should have died way back then, or even here in the wilderness. Now stop. If only we died here in the wilderness. What are they asking for? They would rather die in the wilderness than go across that bridge of opportunity and take a chance and risk it and go into the promised land. And guess what happened? They got their wish. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt rather than go in and take the promised land after all God had done? They'd rather die in the wilderness. So I mean, this would actually be laughable if it weren't so pathetic. Here's what happened. So, again, they've been in Egypt 400 years. They're crying out to God, we want our promised land. God brings them out with great signs and wonders. Remember that? They, they finally come out. They hit the Red Sea, and what happens? He parts it. If you, Give me that picture. Okay, there, there they are back in, in Egypt. He parts it. And the people, they go on dry ground. The Egyptians get run over with the water. Then they're moving on, and what do they get? A cloud by day for shade. They get fire by night to keep them warm and protection. Give me that next picture, if you would, uh, Sharisa. Okay, the the cloud and the fire. There we go. They get the cloud and the fire, and then he gives them manna. We got a picture of that. Okay, is that manna coming? There's the manna. And by the way, see that split rock? That's, you can see that online. The split rock where the water came out of, there's a huge rock underneath it and you can see where water came down, hit that and swirled around. I think it's in Jordan and they have bob wire all around it. The guys had a, huh, Saudi Arabia. The guys had to sneak up to take pictures of it. It's there. It's all there. So their shoes didn't wear out. like on and on and on. God wanted to make a great nation of these guys and they forgot all that. Here's what happens. You have to remember, think of all the things that God has done for us. You're here this morning, you're alive, you're breathing, you're probably, you're probably saved. Here's the thing, when we forget all the blessings God has provided for us in the past, we are prone to minimize his ability to guide us in the future. And you know, there's a verse out of Psalms, if you get time this week in your Bible reading, Psalm 78, it, it chronicles this whole path that the Egyptians took. Everybody okay? Something fell down. Yes, risk, we're taking risk. It chronicles, chronicles this, and you get down to 56, and you know what it says? Yay, they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. See, God's not going to hold a gun to our head and go, get across that bridge. Go be blessed. Take your promises. It's ours to take. It's ours to not to. And they turned back. They would not cross that bridge. I think they were halfway there, and they limited God, and there's nothing he could do. And let me tell you, Satan had him right where he wanted him. They were afraid, they were hunkered down in that safe zone, and they were afraid to be risk takers, and that's where they stayed. But the thing is, big consequences from that. Remember the ten guys that wouldn't wouldn't uh, go across and lost faith in the Lord? Look what happened to them. Numbers 14, the ten men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, one translation says report, because it was rebellion against the Lord were struck dead with a plague between the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. I mean, God was having none of it. You've you got to stick that rebellion in the nub. And then the people who said, we'd rather die in the wilderness and go in? You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who's 20 years old and older will not enter and occupy the land. I swore to give you the only exceptions. Who? Joshua and Caleb, the two guys who were risk-takers, who did it. <clears throat> so here's the deal. How do we move into the risk-taker zone? Like, okay, this sounds really good. You're selling me on this, but how do we do it? And you have to go back to what, what Caleb did. So Caleb gets the people together, and here's what he said. Hold on. Charissa, is that coming? Here we go. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up but once and take possession Say that with me. Take possession. Ah, say it again. Take possession. take possession. This side doesn't say that. You ready? Take possession. Okay. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Yeah. Listen, we used to sing a song here. A lot of you might remember it, but it, it went like this. We are able. We are able to go up and take the country. Remember that? And possess the land from Jordan to the sea. Though the giants may be there our way to hinder. Our God has given us the victory. And then we take out Jordan and we put in Himmet. We'd sing it again. We point there. We are able to go up and take the country and possess the land from Hemet to the sea. Oh, wow. Yeah, those giants are there, but we're taking it. Nothing's changed. It's all about possessing. It's possessing our families, our neighborhoods, our communities, our school, our school what do they call them? School boards, city councils, where you work. Uh, That's what it's all about. And you know what? If you are the person at work, you should be the person where they go, see that person over there? Yeah, I see him. I had a son who was so rebellious one day and they found out about it and they came over, offered to pray with me, invited me to their church, told me what an awesome youth group they had. Man, they are amazing. That should be you, that's the reputation you should have. You should be taking that place of business. In your neighborhoods and communities, if you hear of a family that um, the husband gets sick, stage four cancer, they put him in the hospital ASAP, you have a wife with three teenagers and a business she's trying to keep going and you find out about it, you call her up and go, and by the way, this is a true story. Where's Diana Marshall? headed this up. And I said, we have some ladies at our church. They'll make you a couple meals every week. And I go, matter matter of fact, Bob and I are going to bring you over some burgers and fries. What time can we drop them off? That's us. We did that. And kudos to you ladies. You know who you are. Uh, It it was a long situation with a, a tragedy, actually. It was awful. But you know what? We're owning our neighborhoods. That's how you do it. If there's a restoration in your family, you own that You own that thing, and we possess them. We bring the atmosphere in. When Bob and I go to Stater Brothers, people know us there. Hi, pastor. How you doing? We've invited them to church. We invite them to the barbecues. That's the reputation. That's the atmosphere that we bring in. And a couple of weeks ago, Bob talked on trees because the Bible talks a lot about Christians being like trees we will, will be like uh, Jeremiah says, trees planted by the water that we don't even know when it gets hot. We just keep putting out fruit. And so he talked about the leafy Christians that don't have any fruit. Remember in the fig tree? But actually, there's a pre-fig. I have two fig trees. The, a fig tree puts out figs before the season, and then it leaves out and puts out more figs. So that's what Jesus was looking for. It should have had figs on it. And so he cursed it. And it's like Bob's going, like, we should all be looking good. But we should all have what? Fruit. Fruit. The smart people. The fruit. What should we have? Fruit. Okay, it's like, where's the fruit? That old lady on the floor, where's the fruit? Where's the meat? Where's the fruit? Okay, so I want you to imagine Caleb's frustration when he gets up and pours his guts out. They've been waiting for this forever, and he pours his guts out to the people, and they would rather die in the wilderness than go into the promised land. That's got to be frustrating. It's like, come on, we can do this. We're the football team. We can take them, but they wouldn't do it. So, for the next four decades, they spent one year for every day they were in the scouting out Canaan land. Four decades. Caleb and Joshua had to watch people die, one by one by one. Moses blew it with the rock. Aaron just stood there, so he blew it too. They didn't get to go in, but eventually, there's nobody left. But Caleb and Joshua, so Joshua leads them across the Jordan River and they start conquest after conquest after conquest, taking over and possessing the land that God had promised them at beginning with Jericho. Remember, God, God gave them that one. The walls just fell down. So one of these days, sure enough, Caleb goes to Joshua's tent and knocks on the flap like that and says, hey, you know, you promised me that Hebron land where the giants are still there. But he goes, I'm so excited. I want to take it. God has given that to me. I've always anticipated that. That's my future. I'm ready to take it. So what does is, what is good old uh, Joshua say? It's yours. Go, go get him. The guy's 85. He's marching off in to take Hebron, and he did. So what are the attitudes? You have to look back and go, what is it that possessed Caleb that he could, like, not only come out of Egypt and go through all that, but spend 40 years in the desert and still go, I want, I want what's mine. I want I want my land. Uh, that God promised, and he became a risk taker. So what were the attitudes that he had? Okay, number one, he stayed exuberant about his life. He never let it go away that he was excited to get up every morning. He was excited about the future and what God was, wanted to do. And I have to tell you, you know, if we're lacking joy, the Bible says in Psalms, in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. Get in the presence of God. Number two, risk takers stay excited about their futures. Here's what he said to Joshua. Give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. The giants are still there, but what? I can take it. We're going for it. I can take that giant down. Now, you know, I think I always say one of the reasons like Bob Hope and George Burns, a lot of those guys lived so long, they got up every morning with something to do. They got up with purpose. They risked it. They they were amazing people. I think people who have longevity never stop looking to the future. That's what I think. And, you know, back in 1974, we started a Bible study in this community, and in 75, it turned into a church. And so not long after, we were able to purchase this, the Ramona up Dairy. <clears throat> and it had a few buildings on it, and it also had a barn. It's coming. You can see to the right. So that's an old cow barn, and it had some other outbuildings on. So we thought, wow, we've died and gone to heaven. We're, we're going to build this church place was a wreck, honestly, looking back on it. The big big creamery in there and stuff, but it was a process for the next 50 years of building down and tear, tearing down and building up and redoing and, and over and over and over. So on the property, among other things, they had two railroad cars. And the people had actually put a chimney in the back of it on the front porch. And Bob's office was at one end, and we'd moved the kids into a nursery for the other. But you know what? It was low ceiling, and it was smelly, and it was old. And so came the day where Bob's going, like, we have got to tear that thing down. And like, yeah, but this is really risky. Like, we have no place to put your office, no place for kids. He goes, well, we'll bring in a coach. It's like, okay, well, who's going to pay for it? He goes, well, we, we have to do it. So we started bringing in coaches. So showed up with bulldozers. The thing just came down like a bunch of matchsticks. And one more, I think, on that. Down it came. So that was the end of that. And back behind where the cafe is now, all that was dirt. And so we had no lawn. It was just dirt. And every year, the guys would get the hoses out and fill it up with mud. And they would play mud football. Now, I don't know what it is about men and mud. Uh, they just seem to go together. The girls were smart enough to stand on the sideline and watch. But they thought this was the most fun thing we did every year. We're having the mud football game. Ooh, ooh! Is that the right way the guy does that? They get out and do that. But the day came when we knew all, we had no parking lot. Listen, it was dirt and dust all summer and dirt and mud all winter. It was awful. And so Bob goes, we have got to get a parking lot. And That's where that was. So it's like, OK. So hold up, Charissa. And so just stay right there. And so our mud football had to go, but we didn't have any money. And so we go to the bank. And the bank goes, well, you need collateral. You don't have any. It's like, oh, we don't. So yeah, little thing like that. So we go back to the bank. And so we go, well, listen, will you take our house for collateral? We'll put our home up. And they go, yeah, we'll take your house. So we put our house up, got the loan. So then this is what happened. It's coming there. So we call in the big bulldozers. I mean, it's a big job to put in a parking lot. All that parking lot in the south was that. So then after that came the big machines that rolled out the asphalt. And we could kiss the asphalt. We had a parking lot. Like, we had, like, died and gone to heaven. Yes, no more mud. I mean, it was awful. So, yay, we had that. I mean, again, very risky, a big giant to take down. And then we had another a fundraiser. I forget what for, but Bob had this brainy idea And he goes, I'm going to make all these squares out on the asphalt, big, like 20 by 20, and little squares in the middle of them. And people can buy squares for fundraiser. And they can put a verse or their name, whatever they want. And when all the squares are filled in, we'll have the money for this next project. So we start selling squares. And some of them are worth more than others. So one Sunday night, Bob has another brainy idea. Hey, we're selling squares after the service. Remember this? But there's a couple expensive ones. So if somebody wants to buy an expensive one, Susan and I will come back tonight and sleep on those squares. I'm like, okay, I'm not sure that's a smart idea, but it was an expensive square. So I go home and Bob comes in a little while later. Hey, honey, good news and bad news. He goes, we sold a lot of squares tonight. I'm like, great. He goes, and the other good news is we sold one of the expensive ones. I'm going, yeah? And he goes, so I'm taking you out for a hot date. We're sleeping on the asphalt tonight. So we got our sleeping bags out, put the kids to bed. I slept all night there. Well, the couple that donated it, Lee and Thyra Doyle, remember them? She felt terrible. I didn't know you guys were really gonna sleep all night on that asphalt. It's like, Thyra, we're raising mud. It's fine, It's but she really felt bad. But we did, but that's what we did. It was giant after giant and risk after risk. Well, one day, about probably 35 years ago, the building where the cafe is was just a dumpy little building. That had to all come down, and be rebuilt. The church we were in, Children's Church, that had to all be rebuilt. The project was two hundred and seventy thousand. This time our home wouldn't do it. <laughs> so but bank, uh, the federal bank on Buena Vista in Florida said they'd give us a loan. <coughs> so I looked up, I told Bob last week ago, I can't remember why we were so nervous about this loan. 270. I it mean it's a lot of money. Thirty-five years ago, you know how much it was today? six hundred and twenty four thousand dollars it was over half a million dollars so i thought no wonder we were shaking in our boots so we go down there and i i think we still weren't positive we were going to sign him but we're in this little room and papers you know they want everything but your blood and we're getting ready to sign him and the secretary comes in and goes pastor becky you have a call on like line two it's pastor greenwald he said it's urgent from gary greenwald from orange county so bob takes the call and gary goes hey we're in a board meeting, and we had a word for you. And the Lord said, stop right now and go call Bob and tell him whatever he's doing, do it. It's me. So Bob goes, okay. So we signed. We signed. And the buildings went up, and went, it was awesome. So after that, we still were growing and growing, and we bought the sheep field next to us. So this part of our building and the and the parking lot over here and back, that's the sheep field for Mr. Bernardin, And the house behind that came separate. I mean, Listen. You guys are amazing you need to understand we are not affiliated with any other church we are an independent church we're not getting a loan from assemblies or four square or baptists or anybody you guys all raised the money for this and we had to do that before we could expand more because that little children's church building that we were in it was maxed out the, the county said no more County's so hard to work with but it was a god thing so we bought that we're paying on it eventually we got a million four loan for that, and that's what we're in right now. That's the building. So, and I, I won't spend any more time on it, but it, it took a while to get to that. And I have to tell you, the, the cement that you're in here, this was a huge project to pour the cement. And so they kept telling Bob, and George Krause was our general contractor, you can't do this in one day. You cannot support this much cement in one day. And they said, no, we can do it. <coughs> so what happened was, if you were here, They got us up like we were here at 4 in the morning because everything had to be ready. When those dump trucks started showing up at dawn, we had to be ready and start putting out that concrete. So everybody in the congregation showed up. If they couldn't help, they brought lawn chairs, and they lined the rim of where all the the concrete was going. We had coffee and donuts going. It looked like it was midnight. It was cold. It was 4. We got everything ready, and crack of dawn, one truck hour after hour after hour started showing up and pouring concrete, pouring concrete, pouring concrete. It, it, we got it all done in one day. But I have to tell you, I've been up since 4. I am not a morning person, and I had had way too much coffee by mid-morning. And so I found George Krause, and I choked him. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. Like what were you thinking? But he—he's yeah, been a friend of ours for like 50 years. We've known him a long time. He's a great guy. But and now we're now what are we doing? We're going after the school. We've been in this building 23 years. Can you believe it? We have to redo our alarms. We've got to do the handicapped spaces again. Pour more concrete. Listen, if you have your eye on the future, there's always going to be something like that, and that's not a bad thing. The minute we stop, we stop, we stop. So the result from that, honestly. I'd say hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of people have been saved with this ministry. Set free, delivered, five or six churches have started off of this church. I mean, this has been nothing but a community-minded, God-saving people church in this community. So kudos to you. All right. Give yourself a hand. Yes, we're risk-takers. Okay. Number three they stay enthusiastic about their assignment it's like i'm enthusiastic about this church probably even more so than the day we started it's been a long haul but i'm i'm excited to see where we're going and you know that word enthusiasm i know we've shared this a lot but in the old testament god was on people in the new testament god is in people and so when the new testament came about and the holy spirit started getting inside of people they were nuts they were crazy they were so joyful and happy People didn't know what to call them, And they go, well, that's, those are those people with God inside of them, in Theos. Theos is God in Greek. So they had enthusiasm. So they go, those are those enthusiasm people. This is what Rockefeller said about it. I'd rather hire a man with enthusiasm than a man that knows everything. Amen to that. And then lastly, they stay energized about things of the Lord. And, you know, the joy of the Lord has to be our strength. On days that things get hard, there's no person, there's no TV show, show there's no energy drink that's going to energize me like being excited about God where he's taking us. So, there's one last thing that I want to share that is the cherry on the top of this cake that was a secret to Caleb's longevity and success in being a risk taker. And I, I tell you, it's really easy to miss His story is told in less than 30 verses. It covers about three different uh, books in the Bible. It's here and there and everywhere. There ought to be a book on this guy because he was amazing. But in those 30 verses scattered all over, it tells us the secret to his risk-taking over and over and over. And it's anything any of us can do. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Are the smart people ready? Okay. Here we go. Numbers 14, 24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me wholly, I will bring into the land where he went. Numbers 32, none of the men who came up from Egypt shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb and Joshua, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Deuteronomy, Caleb shall see it, the promised land, because he wholly followed the Lord. Joshua 14, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on the day, saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Why? Because you have wholly followed the Lord. And one more, Joshua, Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb because he wholly followed the Lord. That's what it takes. So here's the deal. The worship team would come up. um, Are they over here? Yeah, here they come. Um, We're going to close with this. You know, Isaiah 41.10 is one of my favorite verses. It says this. Fear not, the Lord tells us, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my mighty right hand. It's like, oh, my gosh, like how can we lose? And what are we waiting for to be risk takers? Amen? And so if you are here this morning and you've been saying, you're right, i kind of been just sitting around, there's an area of my life, be it you're not pursuing healing again or deliverance or a job opportunity or restoration with a family member or you're just not being bold enough, you want to serve more, give more, whatever, but there's an area where you can say, man, I've I just been playing it safe over here. And you're ready to say, I want to be a risk taker. I don't like being like this. I don't want to be sitting it out. I'm ready to move and shift and be a risk taker. And what does it take to do that? Wh- Holy, follow the Lord. Look, okay, I'm going to read those verses again. You have to wholly follow the Lord because you know what? You can do all those things, but if those ten spies did not wholly follow the Lord, you're gonna miss it somewhere along the way. And so what we're gonna do is just pray it's like Holy Spirit, fill me up fully. Fill me fully. I want to wholly follow the Lord and I wanna become a risk taker because listen, life is short. Trust me, life is short. I you know, you know my testimony, been faced with you're going to die in 30 to 60 days. It's like, okay, we better take another look at how, how we're doing here because it, it goes by fast. I want to get up to heaven and, and have God go, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of the Lord. You were a risk taker. You were with those two guys out of 12 that went into the promised land and you're taking it. Wherever it is going, you should be owning that. That's your atmosphere. That's our area. We're possessing the land. So I asked Suzanne and Steve to pray with Bob and I this morning. We're just going to have you come up while the worship team sings, And all I want you to do is go, man, here's the area that I am willing to be a risk taker in. I am willing to wholly follow the Lord this morning. Are you there? Okay, so if you'd stand up, I'm going to close for the rest of you. If that's you, come on down. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Let this word sink in. Don't let Satan come immediately and steal it. And I thank you that we are going to be people, Lord, that are risk-taking and wholly following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, come on down.
2: Oh No choice but to believe My doubts are burning Like ashes